Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to, to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, we sit down with an alumni of the Boone Podcast. We've had Hoffie on before. A uh, good buddy of mine for a long time. Now I'm looking forward to getting his take on this postseason. I can't figure it out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Hall of Famer Trevor Hoffman. Hoppy, thanks for coming on the program. And I'm going to let you. I've been wrong at every turn. (laughs) Unbelievable postseason. All the big boys are bounced early. Atlanta, Baltimore, Dodgers, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay winning 99 games. Um, I've thrown my notes up in the air. How (laughs) much? Obviously, it comes down to this. How much does winning the division really matter anymore? Yeah, you hit the. That, that's where you hit a home run, buddy. Because that's that's kind of the, the the crutch here that I don't think anybody's really paying attention to. Um, yes, we've known each other a long time. Let's go back to that. I think uh, I had to do a release for Petco Park's upcoming concert in April of Sting and Billy Joel. Now we didn't go to that concert together, but. Somebody asked me my first concert, and I told him it was Striper and Van Halen at the Forum in Inglewood. Oh, and boy. You You're going were... way back. You're not even going to ACDC. You're going back, <laughs> back. All right. Give it to me. Give back, Give, back. Him, give so, him the show. So, anywho, um, yeah, I think I think the format's a little skewed. And, you know, I'm, I've had a few conversations with people, and I guess there are, are no field representatives – in the competitive balance situation that they, they make decisions on these type of things, sort of like um, the playoff scenario. So my, my problem is, is what you just said, your big boys are getting ousted in, in the first round. And so everyone, everyone, so it's their own fault. It's like, well, you don't play baseball with five and six day layoffs. And so the season ends, they, they, they've kind of wrapped up. They're able to kind of get themselves in order. And then all of a sudden they have this five, six day game layoff. And the wild card teams and the one division get rolling and, you know, they, they start their play. And, you know, I think there's something to be said that there's, there's no stoppage. There's no slowdown. Um, but if we've also found out that how intriguing playoff baseball really still is and will always be. And so we've diluted a little bit of the, the September. We had some great races down the end and, uh, I think that things played out the way they did. We didn't have a overlap or a tie, and we had to have that one game playoff to get in. But um, I think expansion's coming. I think it's going to get to 32. And when that happens, I think you get eight teams that uh, move forward into the postseason, and you play seven game series right from the start. You go 8 1, 7 2, 6 4, 6 3, 5 4, and you get started. And if you win the series early, you have that's, that's the, where you're going to have to manipulate your time off. and but I, I think the mindset of being ready to go, you have to shorten the season a little bit because otherwise you're not going to fit it. But you won't have these these hiccups, you know. Uh, I don't think Tampa was probably playing their best baseball when they rolled into the postseason. And they they, they got a, a savvy team in Texas and were ready. And, you know, that, that turned into what it was. I think Texas took advantage of a young Baltimore first time in. And, you know, it's easy to say they could have very well been Arizona. They was just as young and they went and – you know, beat some behemoths to be where they're at. So 
the postseason, I'll shut up, but the postseason, I think, needs a little revamp so that some of the, the top dogs, when they have a large lead in September, they can set it up and they will start the postseason the same time as everybody else. No, I agree with you. I think there's been plenty of excitement. I, I think the, the intrigue's been there. Yep. Uh, um, you know, when we were in, in our time, there weren't 12 teams going to the postseason. And I've right. said this a million times, but it's the easiest it's ever been to get right. to the postseason and probably the hardest it's ever been to win the whole thing because there's so many landmines you go, you, you've got to go through. Uh, I was talking to Albert Bell and, and he has a, he, he has a, a view of this saying, you know, Booney, it seems like the best teams are set up to play a, a seven game series. And it makes a lot of sense to me because a seven game series, you got to have depth, you know, in, in these three game series, best of five, uh, you never have to see a third or fourth starter. Let's see how good you are, how deep you are. Usually the best teams are deeper. They've got a fourth starter that can beat you. They've got a fifth starter that can beat you. With this format, uh, you don't see it. So for me, I, I like the seven-game series. I think you have a, a better chance of getting the best team to come out of a seven-game series. But then you're getting into the union. You're getting into the Players Association where, wait a minute, you want us to play 30 spring training games, 162, and then have seven games here? That's a lot of games when it all adds up. I don't know what the perfect formula is, but I do like seven-game series because I think you get a true winner nine times or, or the best. I, I think it's the best scenario for attaining that true winner out of a series. Yeah, and I think – when you set up a roster, you have to right now. You have to think about um, the sprint um, of a postseason. You have to think about the the marathon of a regular season and all these injuries. And so it's hard to set up. And then now with the trade deadline being pushed back, teams are saying in it. They're holding their cards. They want to be a part of it because there's so many opportunities to get in. But I think that the team that you will walk out of spring train with is the team in this scenario that you're going to have to perform in the postseason. I think it's like you said, it's a better indication of who your real roster looks like to, to be able to get through a seven game. And we saw it in hockey. Um, you know, the, the Bruins had the most regular season wins and they get tripped up by Tampa. We had some experience, but they got in as well. And uh, they got, they had to go seven games. But I think the other thing is because of the intrigue and the excitement you talked about around the postseason, it's, it's going up against the NFL. Like it's matching some Sunday games. It's matching some Monday night football games where baseball is always over the back burner, but there's nothing like playoff baseball and nothing like playoff general, uh, any sport. And that's a chance for them to kind of match heads with the, the NFL in, in October. Yeah, I, I think it's it's turning in this. The baseball is now like a, it's like a tournament. It's like yeah. March Madness. It's not like the play our old playoff format we're used to, but uh, times change. Life goes on, and they're going to find. We know this. Whatever it comes down to, it's going to be where are where's the most dollars. Yeah, and and I, and I do think being a biased baseball fan over football, the the one positive about having so many teams is you've got cities down the stretch that in years past they're moved they're long moved on to football. But now they're still talking about their team because they still got a chance. And I and I think just from a baseball purist standpoint, growing the game, what is best for baseball? I think that is best. But yeah, there's some tweaks I think that could be uh could be done. I just had I, I just had Boach on uh recently before this last series. Obviously, I, I played for Boach for one year. Trev, you played for him for a lot of years. Um 
and it, it, he's one of those guys. He's kind of like a Dusty. It, whether you know him, you don't know him, you played for him, you didn't play for him, you play. Boach is everybody's buddy. You never hear – he's one of the few guys in the game. You never hear a bad word from anybody that's ever run into Boach. Um, sum him up with all the time you've spent with him. What makes Boach uh, such a special guy? Respected. Um, I think I I had the opportunity to watch him grow. I saw him take the job as a rookie manager, fumble through a spring train speed to get the, uh, the, 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 the season underway to – a polished, well-oiled machine who had people sprinting out of the locker room, which was, you know, early, late February, early March. And you kind of, you know, say to yourself, like, what, what really good does that speech mean? But he always had a way of kind of reminding you of what the purpose was throughout the season. But uh, he does such a good job of getting to know, and, and I think it's every manager's responsibility to get to know his players and understand what makes them tick. But, you know, he's such a, misunderstood person in a sense that you just think he's just sitting there not paying attention and you know he's he's got every scenario covered in his mind ahead of time before it comes he knows what his personnel feels like on that given day um he's watching with his eyes um on what they're giving him and the sharpness that he can relate to what it looked like in spring training what it looked like mid-season what it's looked like now is that there too much intensity on the person is it they too amped up and they're not making their pitches you know, there's a lot of, you know, he has his own set of analytics, we'll say, and then is smart enough to bring in the analytics that he wants to, 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 to go through and make sure that it's not inundating his players probably too much. But from my standpoint, he was always just communicative. I don't think anybody handles a bullpen better. He, he knows when to make the right call. He knows when to stay pat and give the guy an opportunity to get out of it. And it seems to have worked for almost a decade and a three three world championships later. I think you're right when you hit it on the head when you say respect, and, and it's so important when it comes to to players, especially in big situations. They trust Boach. I mean, he takes them out. I I just saw I just saw the uh, the interaction. I'll, I'll I'll give you a quick example. The interaction, you know, Scherzer, the big guy, the big free agent, he comes in at the trade deadline, gets hurt down the stretch. He's you can tell he's fighting and trying to find a way to come back for for the third series. He did. Game one, he got beat up a little bit. He goes four, gives up four. Not, you know, a la Scherzer that we expect, but he's had a long time off, and he's not getting any younger. Boach gives him the ball in, in uh, his next start. I believe it was game seven. He comes out to him in the second inning, and he takes him out. Now, how many managers throughout Max Scherzer's life, his personality, his resume, Max just handed him the ball like, all right, Skipper, I trust you here. That's what I'm talking about, the respect, where I'll guarantee you, I could, most of the managers that came out to Max Scherzer in that situation, and I'm not saying a negative against Max. It's the way his personality is. Absolutely. It's the way he's built. He's He's got that competitive, and a lot of us do. At, at, and at in the heat of the moment, it's like, how dare you take me out of this game in the second inning? But it's Boach. And it's like, this is Bochy. He sees something maybe I don't see. And not only is it a respect, it's a trust. And that's the little tiny moments I recognize when I'm watching a game that I go, that's why Bochi's Bochi right there. Because I think anybody else, it would have been a, a look at like, are you kidding me? You're not taking me out of this game. But it's Bruce and he hands him the ball, gives it to Montgomery, who does a great job. They end up winning winning game seven. So I, I think you're right. And I, I 
I think it is. It, it, it is a respect thing. And I've just got to know Bruce over the years. You know, I only played for him for one year. I love my year there. I don't think we did very well. We came in fourth place. But, <laughs> you know, I have a, a friendship with him in, in events that we've done over over the years off the field and, and got to know him a little bit. And he is. He's that that great skipper, that, you know, the, the, the captain of the ship. At the same time, he's your buddy. He's got a unique personality because there's a lot of managers I've played for that I really respect and I think are, are really, really good managers. But Boach has got that it factor where he can be your buddy and be your manager, but come crunch time when it's not buddy time, you separate it and there's no, there's no weirdness. I don't know. It's something, it's something I can't put my finger on, but it's, it, let's just call it an it factor for, for, for argument's sake. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. I, I was waiting for that exchange as well. And Max tried to have that look, like look through the manager before he got there. And I think in that split second, he was able to internalize. He gave me game one. He let me start game seven. Mm-hmm. I haven't really been myself. He didn't get into the dugout and storm. And, you know, as, as you mentioned, uh, this is not a knock on Max. I love that competitiveness that he right. we you got to have it. Yeah, right. you got to. Right. But he, as much you just you just hit it perfectly. Like you have a way of respecting Boach and be a friend of Boach, and he has the ability to do all that and still be your manager. And it's it's quite the quite the yeah. combination. Yeah, he just he kind of just weaves it. Um, all right, before we get into this, what's happened recently in the postseason? Get to the World Series. Um, you've had four postseasons in your career: ninety six, ninety eight, oh five. In 06, is that correct? Or is it 06 and 07? Anyway, 05, 06. 05, 06. For the people listening to the Boom Podcast out there, for Trevor, for a bullpen guy, for a, a pitcher for that sake, um, how different is it in your preparation, postseason, regular season, or does it pretty much stay the same? The differences I see, and, and this is a guess, and I'm going to let you, you know, kind of collaborate on it from a pitcher's perspective the only difference i see for a guy like you that's coming in at the end of the game for a bullpen that's been working one way i know how you guys you guys are weird and you guys hang out with each other all year and you make the young rookie carry the weird backpack and go down there and you have your rituals and you have your setup in the bullpen there's a hierarchy and and there's something cool to that but in the postseason, it's a little bit different because it's all hands on deck and you might have a couple starters out there with you that are never in the bullpen because they might be coming in. Does that disrupt anything? Is that just the way it is? Tell me the difference, regular season, postseason, and especially when you get deeper into the postseason. Yeah, I, I'd liken it to, and and you're right, it does get a little bit different, but when you get in the postseason, you're doing everything and anything you can to try and get through the finish line with a W. And I'll liken it to, you know, middle of the season, guy on second base, less than two outs, and you see the big hack from somebody trying to hit the ball out of the park or, Ball's in and he's yanking it down the left field line to try and, you know, get a knock as opposed to getting inside the baseball, get it to the right side, get the guy to third with less than two outs to try and get a run and get on the board early. So I think the beautiful thing about postseason baseball is you've made it in and you're playing with house money and you're actually more relaxed throughout the day and throughout your preparation, even though you're doing the same thing. And once you get to the game, it's your intensity, your focus has to be lit up even higher, ramped up even higher, so that momentum swings day to uh, pitch to pitch. It's not a it's not a game to game thing. Like 
things happen throughout the game that provide momentum, whether it's a, you know, two out, two walks that the lefty gave up yesterday in Philly and Grinkle comes in and, and shuts it down. I don't think he was thinking he was going to come in with two on, but he had to be ready and he's been successful throughout the postseason. Similar situation has been used, but comes in, slams the door, Seawall comes and piggybacks it and everybody goes home happy except for Philly. But I, I, I really feel that you prepare, but, you're almost more relaxed because you're playing baseball. You're playing the, the game that you kind of you know, learned growing up to be unselfish. What can I do to help the club win, win a ball game? This is, this is interesting. And it's really come to my, to the forefront, me watching this postseason and watching it pretty darn closely. Uh, in our day, it was Trevor Hoffman. It was Mariano Rivera, Wagner in Houston, uh, and I don't want to leave anybody out. A lot of great closers. When we would go as an opponent, as a hitter, when I'd go into uh, an opponent's ballpark or, or we're playing somebody and they've got that closer at the end. And and if if even to expand on that, if they had that deep bullpen where seven, eight, nine were kind of covered <clears throat> and you knew it was kind of clockwork. That shortens that game. And we know as hitters, man, we better get it done. Because if those hell's bells are ringing and Hoffie's coming in, yeah, once in a while we might get him. More time than not, this is over. When Mariano comes in, usually the game's over. Once again, we, we're, we're going to get you once in a while. But for the most part, that's game. that game's over. I've been, you know, the current guys, Bautista with, with Baltimore this year was unbelievable. Duran with the Minnesota Twins, a classe with the Cleveland Indians. When these guys come into the game, the game's usually over. And I've really been watching these playoffs closely. And and the teams, you talk about Arizona, Seawald comes over from the Mariners at the trade deadline. He's been unbelievable, Hoffy. He's been, and I was watching the game last night, and I'm I'm watching it with with Jakey, my son, and I said, Snake, I said, I'll tell you what. They get to the eighth. This game's over. I don't care how much home field advantage this Philly thing is. Seawald's been money. He is not giving up. He's got the Inviso ball going. That fastball, they just can't square up right now. I don't know if you don't see it. Looks like they don't see it really well. Uh, but that, that's been so important. And you talk about Ginkle in the eighth setting up Seawald. That's the one team I see, Arizona, that has had that consistently. Like, we know what we have at the end of the game. If we can get to the end of the game, we're going to win. You look at a team like Philly, Kimbrell, who's been a great closer, 400-plus saves in his career. He wasn't the go-to guy and pretty much got taken out of that scenario. Boach has been back and forth. He's had a young kid in LeClerc, I think, has done a really good job. But Chapman's been a closer his whole life. Now, all of a sudden, Chapman's that eighth inning guy. And in the eighth inning, you don't know what you're getting either. Yeah. So I look at all these teams. For me, I, and then you look at Houston. Houston was that one team why I thought it was so impressive that, that Texas beat him is because they did have that bullpen set up. They had Presley at the end who's been there, done that. And you know you get to Presley, usually that game's over, and setting him up with Naris and, and, and the other guys in that bullpen. I thought they had the huge advantage in the bullpen. The way Boach managed it, I think he threaded that needle perfect and did a great job, obviously, sitting in the World Series. So as a hitter, I don't want that good setup. I don't want you guys feeling good about yourself with the seventh on. I've been on teams that had a seventh on that was really good, and I played against them. 
we don't like it as hitters. How important do you think that is? And and, and how does that play in this World Series? Because Arizona's got it. Texas, not so much. They got to find a way to get it done. And sometimes almost like whatever works, throw everything against wall, whatever sticks, sticks. Yeah, honestly, um, I think the, the, the maybe the biggest thing that's going to come out of this that you have to think about is that familiarity breeds confidence. And when you get into seven-game series like we did in the AL and NLCS and now the World Series, and you go to your, your horses and you go to the guys that you've leaned on the whole year, like you get more comfortable. They got more comfortable with Craig. They got more comfortable with Alvarado by the end of the series in Arizona Philly. They started to get more comfortable with LeClaire. They got, and and they, they made big pitches. They, they were pretty aggressive in the strike zone in a couple of pitches that got away with it. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of success in the postseason, and I, I can still remember challenging guys because it was the time to do it, and it didn't work out so hot. You know, Seawald – he does. He throws the invisible because they talked about his velocity only only being 93, 94, right? right? But they don't see it. And there's there's a pl- there's a play there that he's confident in being able to move the ball around in the strike zone. He's throwing strikes in the strike zone. That strike zone's not very big as and we can go into that one too. But uh how how these bullpens will get used, um, you absolutely said it. Like Boach did an amazing job um, navigating it. You know, that Tory did a great job in a game seven to get to the to the end of the game. You score early. I think if anything, that's probably the one thing that all these baseball heads and managers and you know analysts, the game changes when you're having to chase. When when you start to see the, the game run out of time, you start to see outs go away, you start to see innings pile up, and you get towards the end, and now you're hoping. You're not like controlling the game anymore. You're hoping that you can get in the game. That Philly, uh, we both, uh, for you, for everybody out there listening to the Boom Podcast or watching the Boom Podcast now on YouTube, uh, Trevor and myself, we we both went to a World Series on different teams. It was the same the 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 same same end result, and it was Yankee Stadium. And you talk about a postseason venue where <laughs> you knew you were somewhere special. You know, I, I was thinking about that with that Philly crowd, and. How much more, I don't know what the word is, raucous they were than all the other venues, and it ended up not being enough in the end. But I remember the postseason. It, there's something a little bit different about it, and 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 I sum it up this way. On a great year, there's three times where, where I kind of get butterflies. It's usually opening day, no matter how long I've been playing. I still, it's like, don't embarrass yourself. Don't chase that slider. Your first at bat and strike out. Uh, if you're, if you're fortunate enough that year that you were an all-star stepping in that box at the all-star game, man, I got butterflies. Don't embarrass yourself. Everybody's watching. (laughs) And then for the years, you were fortunate enough to go to the postseason. I remember you play 162. They run into each other. It's just a job for us. We get up in the morning, we go do our job, but you get to that postseason and that first time they, you know, you line up on the line. You haven't done that since opening day, you know, okay. This is something special. And here come those butterflies again. And it's not nervousness or anxious. It's just, let's get this on so I can just go back to doing my job. Talk about it. That's that's my experience. Uh, what's Trevor Hoffman's? Uh, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, I just You just walked me through some of, of, of 
mask of emotions that I remember standing on that line and opening day going, okay, can you still do this? I mean, you, you, yep. you know what the end of the season was like last year, good, bad, or indifferent. You go through your off-season workouts, you try and get the body back to go in again, depending on if you were a 25-year-old or if you're a 35-year-old. Everything's a little bit different. And a, a year goes by and you're starting to wonder, can I still do this again? And having had the opportunity to go to All-Star Games, you, you walk into a clubhouse and you're going, I don't know if I belong in this room. I mean, these guys, these guys are all-stars. What the heck am I doing here type of thing? And, and it's certainly the postseason is another layer of intensity and excitement and you know, grat gratification that you were able to get to that point in the season to be one of two teams still standing. So, and if not even earlier in the postseason. So controlling those emotions and being able to perform on that level, I think is, it's been fun to watch these guys do it now. I mean, I'm, I'm a total fan. I'm so far removed from the playing days and the game has changed a little bit that, man, I just, I just enjoy seeing great, great players play great. And we got a lot of people doing it. I don't think there's been anything given away. I think guys have gone out and earned it and it's been fun to watch that. I think they've been spot on. The, the teams have played the way they've wanted to play. They've represented themselves and their cities in a great way. And, Man, it's just it's just been a, a fun ride to watch. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.